This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. We heard from Psalm 78 about how God provided for the people of Israel in the wilderness. All four Gospels in the New Testament tell the story of a miraculous feeding of 5,000. And yet John is the only one who records the conversation that took place after this miracle. So that's what we are going to engage in. What did Jesus and the crowd who experienced this miracle have to say? Let us now hear the word of the Lord. John chapter 6, verse 25. When they, the crowd, found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you. Now every time we hear that, it's amen, amen, which means he really wants to pay attention. Okay. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said, very truly, amen, amen. I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, Give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Let us pray. Lord, you have gathered us in this space on this day in order to give us food that endures for eternal life. We pray for a special anointing on our thinking and our attention that this home gathering that we are in right now would be for us as if you were speaking and feeding us with exactly what we need. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Christian speaker Mike Benson tells the story of when he was eating with his family one evening and his eight-year-old daughter, who generally finishes her plate and all her vegetables, left six beans on the plate. So he asked her, would you please finish your vegetables? And she replied, Dad, I am full to the top. And he said, come on, you won't pop. And she said, yes, I will pop. And he said, risk it. And she said, Dad, I cannot eat another bite. And he remembered that that evening for dessert, they were going to have her favorite dessert, pumpkin pie squares. squares. So he said, do you think you would like two pumpkin pie squares with two dollops of whipped cream on top? And she said, yes. And she pushed her plate away as if making room for dessert. And then he said, now how is it that you have room for two slices of pumpkin pie squares with whipped cream on top and have no room for six measly green beans? At which she got up from the table and pointed to her belly. She said, I have a stomach for vegetables. I have a stomach for meat. And they are both full. I have a stomach for dessert, and it is empty. <laughs> I am ready, she said. Now, this is just to demonstrate that we readily look for whatever it is that we really want. And what we want is what motivates us to live as we do. Now, the crowds are looking for Jesus. They want to see him again. Jesus has fed them, and they were satisfied. Their bellies were full. It says in John chapter 6, 14 and 15, that when they saw the sign, they recognized that Jesus was the prophet. That's capital, prophet. This is the prophet spoken through the mouth of Moses. We read about it in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, who was promised of God, who was going to be greater than Moses. They recognized 15, who was promised of God, who was going to be greater than Moses. They recognized this is the prophet who fed us. And they want to take Jesus by force and make him their king. It was a great, enthusiastic afternoon with Jesus. But Jesus slips away, and he leaves the crowd searching for his whereabouts. After meeting him in this event, they're looking for him again. And maybe you've done something similar. Some Christians actually have a meeting of Jesus as a risen person, first at a youth camp or a spiritual retreat, or sometimes it's in an unmistakable direct answer to prayer, and you want more, more of God, and you hunger to find him. There's an author, 
Frederica Matthews Green, she talks about this hunger for God. She says, picture yourself in a mall and you're walking around looking at the windows and looking at people and suddenly you get a whiff of cinnamon. You weren't even hungry, but now you crave a cinnamon roll. This craving is not something you've made up. There you were, minding your own business when molecules of cinnamon and sugar and butter, they just collided with some susceptible patch in your nose. And you had a real encounter with cinnamon. Not a mental delusion, not an emotional projection of the real thing. And what's the Now. That's what it's like, she says, to catch the sense of God's compelling delight. Now, just me telling you that about cinnamon rolls, does that make you want one? They are back there for fellowship hour. I just want to let you know you can have your cinnamon roll. Is this what is motivating the crowd pursuing Jesus? Are they looking for this compelling delight for more of God? Well, their motive becomes clear in the three questions that they ask. Now let's hear each of the questions and notice how Jesus responds. The first question we find in chapter 25. Rabbi, when did you come here? Meaning, teacher, where have you been? Notice that the crowd has demoted Jesus. Just the day before, they called him the prophet, the king. And now he's rabbi, teacher. Perhaps it was because they were frustrated by how much difficulty they'd gone through in trying to find where he was. Their emotional high had worn off. Sometimes people come into worship feeling this way. Their feathers are ruffled. They're somewhat miffed by some inconvenience. Not at all happy to talk to the Lord whom they feel has disappointed them. Jesus gently yet senses their motive for finding him. Dale Bruner, a Bible scholar, translates it this way. Verse 26. Amen. Amen. I, I want to tell you something very important. You were looking so hard for me, not because you saw signs or significant things, but because you got a good meal. And you're very pleased with that. Jesus exposes their selfish, self-seeking motive. They're self-seeking, not God-searching. So it is that they were looking for Jesus as a means to an end, and the end was their stomach. I don't know about you, but I find that perhaps you do too, do similar things with God. 
We reduce God in our minds to some sort of errand boy who is here to serve us. The crowd is looking for Jesus for their own ends. People can do that. People can look to God in order to put food in their bellies or money in a bank account or power in a political party. But Jesus redirects all of us in our motives. He redirects us from self-serving. Verse 27, hear it. Do not work for the food that perishes. That means it doesn't last. But for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Jesus knows that whatever we're working for that's not going to last is not going to satisfy us. Let me illustrate. Tonight are the Oscar Awards. Last month were the Golden Globes. A few years back, comedian Jim Carrey hosted the Golden Globe Ceremony. And before announcing the nominees to the glitterati all seated before him, Hollywood's elite, he said, I am a two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. Going to get some well dream, any old dream, no, sir, I dream about being a three-time Golden Globe winning actor, Jim Carrey, because then I would be enough. It would finally be true. I could stop this terrible search for what I know won't ultimately satisfy me. The audience doubled over in laughter. But as the camera was panning them at the table, Looking at their faces, their unsatisfied yearnings were felt too uncomfortable to admit. We know what that feels like. Jesus says, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God has set his seal. You and I, God has set his seal. You and I were created for an interactive life with God. It is the deepest stratum of the human soul. And God has come to satisfy our longing for his life. In the original, it is called Zoe. It's Zoe, which is God life, not bios, physical life, not psyche, the mental life. It's God life, and he gives it. God's life flowing in us. So Jesus diagnosed the crowd's desire in a misplaced motive. And he says, don't work for that which is not going to satisfy. I can give you what will endure. I will give it to you. Let's look at this second question that they asked. Word work from Jesus, and they latch on to it. Okay, they say, 
verse 28. What must we do to perform the works of God? They've expended a lot of effort to find Jesus. And he tells them to spend that effort, not on food that perishes, but on what endures for eternal life. Huh? What is Jesus talking about? They ask him to explain. It would be like a student asking a teacher exactly what is going to be on the exam, not wanting to miss what the teacher is looking for. Reminds me of a first grader who got off the bus after his first day of the first grade. His mother asked, what did you learn today? He said, not enough. I got to go back tomorrow. The crowd asks, what do we have to do to perform the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. In other words, this is the work of God that you trust the one whom God has sent. That word, trust, is the work that God wants us to do. I don't know about you, but I find that to be part of the hardest work I know. It's something I work on every single week of my life. We are, as a nation, in a crisis of mistrust. A leading global communications marketing firm, Edelman, has issued 19 years called a trust barometer report. It's true. And the recent report revealed an unprecedented crisis of trust in our country. It's taken a nosedive. Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Believing in Jesus is trusting in him, even in an age of mistrust. Mistrust comes naturally to us. It's part of human nature. Adam and Eve lived in paradise. They had everything good. They had companionship with God. And yet, they mistrusted God's intention. They believed instead a lie that God was holding back his best from them. In our reading from Psalm, he was holding back his best from them. In our reading from Psalm 2078 today, we heard of the people of Israel and what they saw with their own eyes, the Lord himself performing glorious deeds and mighty wonders. He divided the sea and let them pass through it. He split open rocks in the wilderness and abundant waters came for them to drink. Miracle after miracle, provision after provision, but they did not trust God. Instead, they challenged him. They said, can God provide a table in the desert? Can he give bread? Can he provide meat for his people? Yes, he can. God was with them and for them to work his goodwill in them and through them, but they did trust him. I asked, do you believe in Jesus? 
Do you trust him? Do we as a church? When the church furnace won't work because the boiler tank needs replacing, do we trust that God is with us and will provide? When our body suffers with some affliction and we don't know if we can endure it, do we trust that God is with us and will provide? When our adult child needs to turn their life around or we look for love and it is not reciprocated, do we trust that God is with us and will provide? The work of God in our lives is that we will trust Jesus. Speaking to a secular audience, NBC's Morning Joe show, Tim Keller of New York City's Redeemer Church talks about the difference that trust in Jesus has on one's work. He said, when you make your work your identity, if you're successful, it destroys you because it goes to your head. If you're not successful, it destroys you because it goes to your heart and destroys your self-worth. Trust in Christ gives you an identity that is not in work or accomplishment. It gives you an insulation against the weather changes. If you're successful, you stay humble. If you're not successful, you have some ballast. Work is a great thing when it is a servant instead of a Lord. In answer to the, sec in answer to the second question, what must we do? to perform the works of God. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Our third and final question, verse 30. What sign are you going to give us then so that we may believe it, see it, and believe you? What work are you performing? In essence, prove that you are deserving of our trust. They challenged Jesus with scripture, suggesting that Moses has outperformed Jesus by a mile. Moses fed several hundred thousand people for 40 years. Jesus fed 5,000 for one afternoon. Moses fed with bread from heaven. Jesus fed from the lunchbox. Jesus to prove that he is worthy of their trust by doing more than Moses. And this request is not just a request for more, as a failure of trust. It is outright unbelief. And Jesus responds, It wasn't Moses who gave you the bread. No, it was my Father who is giving you, present tense, real bread. That is not just meals, but Zoe life. It's out of heaven. You see, the bread of God is the one coming down out of heaven, giving life to the whole world. Jesus is saying to us, Dear people, you do not need any more miracles to prove my authenticity. What you need to see and appreciate is the cosmic miracle. What you need to see and appreciate is the cosmic miracle standing in front of you now. 
And this brings us to the climax of this conversation. Verses 34 and 35. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread, always. And Jesus said what he said every time in John's gospel, I am. The I am statements. I am the bread of life. The person simply coming to me will never go hungry. The person simply trusting in me will never go thirsty, ever. So the three questions with misplaced motives are redirected to the right motive, the only one who can satisfy. But it doesn't end here. There is a personal to this conversation. And Jesus leaves it with us. Verse 36. He says, I said to you, you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. He leaves us with a choice. Showing that it is possible to be in the very presence of the living God in Jesus Christ. Experience his miracles and still not Trust him enough to come to him for that life that satisfies. That's called missing the goal. I close with a story. John Krakauer, in his best-selling book, Into Thin Air, tells the story of the ill-fated expedition to the summit of Mount Everest in 1996. He mentions a member of the expedition, Ms. member of the expedition, Ms. Yasuko Namba, a 46-year-old FedEx employee who had a passion for climbing. Yasuko was an accomplished climber. She had reached the summits of seven of the largest mountains on the planet, leaving only the tallest, Mount Everest, to conquer. This was her goal. She was so totally focused on the top. She pushed herself extremely hard. She jostled other people on the expedition, moving past them to get to the front of the line. And she finally made it. She accomplished her goal. Later that afternoon, Yasuko was caught in a terrible blizzard. She succumbed to the exhaustion of her climb. She pursued a tragic mistake because she had adopted the wrong goal. The goal of climbing should never be to get to the top of a summit. Any experienced climber knows. The goal is to get back down to the bottom. We can lose. We can lose it all if we treat Jesus as a remarkable person who can do amazing things and we choose not to trust him or commit ourselves to him. We can have the wrong goal in life, the wrong motive. So Jesus asks us, are, are you looking for me? How will you answer him today? How will you answer him today? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you make it hard on us. 
because you give every evidence and yet you leave us with our own will and choice and you put us on the spot. So we pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would now woo us with the scent of a compelling delight of God that may, we may want you and move toward you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.